I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Kathleen Hepburn, and we have a conversation around her new film, Never Steady, Never Still. It's going to be premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival in the fall of 2017. And for me, it was a very in- intensely personal uh, film and experience, and also just a, a, a wonderful, insightful conversation about, about uh, Parkinson's disease, about family life, about... Uh, emotions and about a mother's strength. We talked about, uh, of course, we got into metaphor and 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 what it means to experience loss and grief. And you know, one of the things we really focused on, Kathleen and I, was this idea that there are so many things left unsaid, and we all have this this fear, and we all have a specific voice, and we all have a richness of character. And what does that mean as we uh, spend time together with others and with uh, the people? that we love. And as I said, it was intensely personal for me because this film, my dad, my dad suffered from Parkinson's disease for many, many years. It's a, it's a deeply engaging and intimate film. Uh, and I hope uh, you're going to enjoy the conversation that Kathleen and I had as we go in just a little bit deeper. It's the world premiere of Never Steady, Never Still coming right up with Kathleen Hepburn. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my speaking and writing. Also, face-to-facelive.ca for uh, uh, all of my interviews that I've been doing over the last few years and, and now seemingly focusing more and more on the power of film and story towards thinking about social change. And of course, rabble.ca. Coming right up, Kathleen Hepburn, Never Steady, Never Still. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by another very special guest today, a filmmaker. Uh, her name is Kathleen Hepburn. She's here to talk about her film today. We're here to talk about her film today, Never Steady, Never Still. Kathleen, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on. So I'm wondering where to start. There's so many connecting connecting points for, uh, for me with your film and with the story. Uh, and, and by the way, congratulations 
uh, on, on, on the film and the world premiere coming up at the Toronto International Film Festival in the very near future. How are you feeling about that? Let's start right there. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, feeling pretty excited, pretty nervous, um, but mostly just excited to finally get people to watch it and see how they're going to react. That's, that's the most exciting part, I think. So are you imagining freezing up at the Q&A or uh, saying too much or too <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I don't think I'll freeze up. Uh, I just hope I don't break out crying. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess it's the bigger fear. Oh, man. I can't, subject matter, but yeah. It, it must, well, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful film and uh, with a great cast, really powerful and intimate and, and deeply moving on so many levels. So, so thank you for that. And, and if I don't say it later, I wish you well with it, and I hope we get to, to see each other face to face. So does it start? Does it start as a story? Is it a screenplay? Is it? Is it just? Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's it's. Uh, I guess it's probably a pretty de- uh, intimate question right out of the gate. But this is there's, yeah, there's a lot of connecting points here for you too, personally, to this film. For sure, yeah. And I think um, because this is my first feature script I've ever written, um, it was a very slow process. Hmm. In getting in getting it started and getting it to the point where it is, so it actually started as a very different story. It started as like almost a historical drama that was <laughs> that hmm. began sort of about my grandmother actually, and then um, it, so it started with an image that that had come from a story my aunt had told me um, about a woman who had been uh, living on this very remote property where my mother lived when she was a child. Um, and her husband had passed away, and she, she there was no road access to where she was, so she ended up having to pull her dead husband on a sled across mm. this uh, six-mile uh, bay to get him to a doctor. So that was actually where it started, and now it's a completely different film. Um, but that was the, the the initial image that was just that struck me as like the the strength that that right. we have in a situation like that and like a, a woman's strength and, and a mother's strength and um it sort of went from there is that is that part of the reason why uh, the lake uh, i'm assuming it's a lake is it a lake yes it yeah is. the lake plays so prominently in the film is it fair to say it's almost a character in the film yeah i think that's definitely true to say yeah yeah um I think landscape, particularly in BC, um, because it's so dramatic and it's it's such a vast province mm. with so much just empty landscape, it feels like a very integral part of of people's lives. Um, yeah. And and is that for you? So 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 I was I wasn't going to bring up landscape yet. I was gonna I was definitely going to get to that. But we're 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 on there now. Is that is that the is that sort of um hmm? I mean, this is this is a film about struggle. It's it's a film about um, um, fighting back. It's a film um, about loneliness. It seems to me in relationships and and how we express ourselves, and maybe more importantly, how we don't express ourselves, and all those things that we don't say to one another, and we should say "I love you" more often, and all that kind <laughs> of thing, you know. But yeah. is that this? Is that why you chose the setting? This, I mean, it's very gray. It's. I'm not sure I want to go there anytime soon. You know, you know what I mean? It's maybe, actually, maybe for an overnight fishing trip. <laughs> no, um, I think I chose that setting for two reasons. Well, one of it is because that's a very personal place for me because that's where um, my family has property on this lake, hmm. the lake uh, in Fort St. James. So I, 
I spent my summers there as a child. Right. Um, so I have a very close personal connection to it. And it's actually gorgeous up there. The, oh, I bet. You know, we were shooting in the winter, so it didn't do it justice. But, um, but I think also, yeah, just that, that, that complicated relationship we have with landscape um, when you're living in a place like that where it's, it's, you know, it's beautiful and it's like so peaceful and it's so part of, right. of who we are, and yet it can be very, very harsh. Right. Um, and it can, you know, cause harm, it can cause death. Yeah, par- that's par- definitely something I was thinking about. Par- paradox and contradiction. How can something so so beautiful, so full of life, also, uh, I guess, t- ultimately take life? Yeah. yeah. You, you you start out pretty serious uh, on a, on a pretty serious note in the film, um, and I think if you could please remind me, uh, uh, the quote is something to the effect of my my grandmother always told me that death is not cruel, uh, death death is a gift from God. Yeah, it's actually my mother. Your my mother. mother told me, but right. yeah, that's the right that's the right wording. Can can you unpack that? <laughs> are you are you are you open to unpacking that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think where I was getting to with that was just the idea that death is part of life, mm. a beautiful part of life. Um, I recently met for another project that I'm working on with. Um, a death doula in Toronto, which is like a midwife for people who are dying. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, it's really fascinating. But she was talking about that, how like um, they're trying to promote the idea of like dying, dying with grace and dying right. beautifully and how we need to sort of change the way we think about death. So I think that's, that's sort of the angle I was, I was approaching yeah, well, what's what's so interesting to me, and I don't know, if, and there seem, you know, I've seen a few films now uh, going into TIFF, and and I've 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 had a few interviews. There's a there's a deeply every year there seems to be a theme for me, and I don't know if that's my sort of intentionality as I pick the films or try to get interviews and so on. But there's a profound existential uh, crisis in this film. It seems to me there's all, I mean, death and anxiety and. Uh, is was that was that intentional on your part to be kind of raising those questions that this is this is life this is kind of the way it is for a lot of people I mean even doesn't doesn't Jamie at one point in the film say why why does it have to be this hard Yeah and that that's actually from a poem of a friend of mine uh, Matthew Henderson that that one little clip clip is a is part of his poem um, where he talks about if you're better than this place why is this place so right. hard Right um, but yeah, I think for me, um, I'm really interested in, in what we can't say to each other and, mm. and what, why that is, you know, why the people that we're closest to are the ones that we, you know, have this barrier between. So, sorry, I think I've forgotten what your question was. Well, just, you know, that whole, that existential angle, that exist, that existential angst to the film, like it's a profoundly philosophical question. And, you know, most of us don't want to think about death. Most of us don't want to think about fear. And so what do we do? The, you know, the existential say we spend most of our lives running away from it. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. exactly what drives a wedge between us and our families and others and so on. And I just wondered if you kind of went into this film as you were, you know, writing the story and so on, starting with that vision of this yeah. strong woman sort of fighting back, if you had that yeah. front and center. Well, I think I definitely was thinking about fear. I think mm. fear is like a, a really interesting um, part of our lives and almost the most interesting part, part of like it, writing 
is, is fear for me because what are you most afraid of right. facing and how do you find a way to face that um, with your work so yeah fear is definitely something that I'm very interested was, in and is that a part of is that a is that a part of the reason why it took you you mentioned earlier that it was a it was a long haul to get through the screenplay um, was it par- partially because it was new for you but was it also also that um, I think Partially, yeah, probably, but I think it was also just trying to figure out what exactly I was trying to say with it because it was so close, the material was so close to me. Right. And so it took a long time before I could even, you know, like in the first draft, the son was a daughter and things were a lot more close to my reality. And I think once I switched it to a son, I was able to fictionalize it. And then that's when things started became became clear for me as to what what the central conflict was between the two characters. Um, so, but fear, fear was definitely a factor, I think, but more just trying to separate my own reality from this fictional world. That's a bigger challenge. How, uh, how, how often did you have to make a decision to say, you know what, that's just, just not a detail I want to leave in. I, I'm getting the sense that the film is to some degree autobiographical, I suppose, as much as it can be when you're writing for others. Um, um, did did you have to consciously make some of those decisions and say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna save that for my autobiography when I write that in 27 years? Um, yeah, but I think it was more out of is the audience gonna be interested in right. this rather than you know because this is too too much to share. You know, it's more just like trying to keep a plot that was entertaining and engaging. Well, there's something really to me. There's something so extraordinary about the ordinariness of the subject matter in your film. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, my, uh, you know, so uh, about a woman who has uh, Parkinson's disease, this neurological disorder, the struggle. And, 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 and as I mentioned before, the tape was rolling, my dad diagnosed with the disease for many, many years. And so I, I had a firsthand uh, insight to some degree, uh, certainly nowhere yeah. near what my mother would have had, you know, as a caregiver with my dad. But it's it's such a, um, I don't know, again, we're back to that sort of existential thing, that whole struggle about, about why why do I even get out of bed in the morning? There's a great line when, when uh, um, they're at the, uh, the, the group, the group, I guess the support group where they're doing their exercises together and so on. And some lady, she's really quite angry. And she says, nothing <laughs> happens when I try to take a step. Like it's yeah. such, it's such a marvelous line. How many of us are taking steps and still nothing's happening, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like when you're dealing with chronic disease, like you're constantly asking that question of yourself, but if you, if you don't take a step, then <laughs> what else do you do? You know, you just sit there. So you have to keep pushing forward every day. Is it, is it, is it about, hmm, is it about being afraid and still taking the steps? Is, is, or is it really, is this about, you know, the whole Nietzschean thing that, that which doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Cause I mean, it seems <laughs> to me that strength is very much uh, you know, you see, you, you would look at my father and you wouldn't see a strong man. You know, you right. would see somebody. I mean, I, I remember watching my dad try to, try to read a newspaper. And, I, and yeah. in, a, in a way, I wish we had video of it because on one hand, it was comical and, and, yeah. and funny to watch. But on another hand, just so tragic and horrifying how much, 
how much he struggled with keeping the pages together and he would grab that one and knock this one off and 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 how does anyone keep their head above the water <laughs> you know um, you know that yeah. that constant you know just that that that's chis- chiseling away and and my dad did it and he did it so well and i and i think that comes out beautifully in the film and that i think that's what i mean about the extraordinariness in the yeah. ordinariness you know yeah, I think that was really important for me going into this film because I wanted to show, because what I see in my mother is, you know, someone who is the strongest person I know. You know, she's fighting this every day, and she, she never lets into it. She has moments of panic, but she, you know, she's, she's always fighting. Um, and I think that was important to show someone who was, you know, not a victim of a disease, but someone who is surviving right. with a disease, you know? surviving and and still kind of um, making do and 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 building a family or at least or or at least doing doing her best would you say doing her best to build a family in the in the context of the film yes I think so and doing her best to to maintain her own um, integrity and and person like to be seen as a woman to be seen as a person rather than just be seen as someone who has a disease that there's a, a a remarkable scene where where she's talking about um um is it is it Eddie Eddie's her husband yeah. when Eddie proposes and she's at the, at the group and and I think the line is that when they when they see me they don't see me they see him yeah what what were you getting at there um i think basically just that idea that when you look at someone who is disabled or who has um, that sort of physical uh, weakness, you often think about their disease before you think about the person. So mm. when you look at someone mm. in a wheelchair, you're looking at their wheelchair first, and right. then you're seeing them. Um, and I think that's really that's really hard to deal with. I remember um, as a kid, my mom, uh, this is getting pretty personal, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> uh, my mom, she worked as a preparedness planner for the hospital for disaster response. Hmm. So she had a, a job where she had to do a lot of um, public speaking and presentation. And when she was first diagnosed, one of the first symptoms was just the, the tremor in, in her hand. Right. Um, and I remember her being so upset because she knew that the audience would perceive that as someone who was very nervous speaking right. in front of them when, when it was like something she couldn't control. It had nothing to do with her nerves. <laughs> um, yeah, just how hard that was for her to deal with. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, makes makes perfect sense. Well, it's a it's a really interesting comment on how quickly how quickly we are to judge others, you know, yeah. and how quickly we are to go certain places, which often is really just rooted in our own uh, bias and and worldview and the lenses that we you know that we see the world through. Why do you think? Why do you think we have such a difficult time, you know, uh, expressing ourselves and relating to others and and saying, like I said earlier, saying I love you a little more yeah. often. Well, I think you're right that it does all come back to fear because we're afraid of it not being mm. reciprocated or we're afraid of, of what... You're afraid to know how hard it is for that person or how hard it is for yourself. And you're afraid for them to see how hard it is for right. you, I guess. That's that's sort of how I feel about it. I love I love the broken windshield. So, 
I, I and I'm always fascinated, you know, film and and, and metaphor and symbol and, and and just you know authorial intention. How how much is actually you know? Oh gee, I, I look back and now I see the connections. Was that? I mean, as you're writing that, do you think okay, this is going to be great because we're going to have this conversation that's really intense, uh, personal, uh, life giving, affirming. Uh, difficult conversation looking through a broken windshield. It's quite wonderful, <laughs> by the way. Um, I would have to say I di- did not think about that um, when I wrote that scene. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! That's so that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's yeah, just yeah. and and I didn't I didn't see it, of course, when he's when he's pulverizing the windshield until until later, and it was just this this lovely moment because that's that's a pretty profound uh, scene. That. Yeah. That that back and forth, the questions with, about our uh, sexuality, about life, about about what's next. It's it's really yeah. I just I could I, I laughed out loud. The broken windshield was just beautiful. <laughs> so Chris, Christmas plays a bit of a role in the film. Yeah. A little town of Bethlehem. <laughs> a little town of Bethlehem playing in the grocery store. Merry Christmas yeah. at the end. Can can you make a connection or two over there? Hmm. I don't know if I've thought that one out too much. Um, I guess I just wanted it to to sort of symbolize family, you know, a time mm. when you're with your family and and sort of a new family that they that they they come to by the end of the film. Like they need to re rebalance their family dynamic and what that means. Um, and then of course the the, the young pregnant. Teenage girl, yes, you know, <laughs> giving birth to this new life, new hope, sort of thing. Yeah, it's. I, yeah, I, I don't know if that one's Yeah, well, I think, and and you know, for me, I think there's something so um, real about this. And I, I wrote down as I was, you know, watching the film. I t- I usually take quite a few notes, and 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 I just wrote down kind of a day. Th- I, w- I wrote this is life, and then and then I wrote, I think your film takes place over s- sort of a full year, doesn't it? Yeah, I, this is a year in the lives of, and I wrote dot, and I just put dot, dot, dot. And and, <laughs> and, 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 and aren't we back to that extraordinariness, you know, that, that mystery and the wonder and the despair and the, and, and, and just all that relational muddiness that yeah. we, we all seem to live, right? And I think that's what's so, so wonderful, uh, wonderfully insightful about, about the story and about the film. Well, that's great to hear that I'm not the only one going through that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I mean, I, you know, I could honestly, we could talk about this for 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 quite a quite a while, but you know, I just I looked down at my notes here, and and, and um, uh, uh, Judy, eighteen eighteen hour labor with with Jamie. I I I've, I've never been through labor, but my my research tells me that's a long time. It is a long time, but it happens. <laughs> but it happens. It happens in this profoundly beautiful and 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 life uh, life affirming way. It's really quite remarkable. So so tell me a little bit about about your next project. You mentioned about uh, really uh, just in passing. There is that not another film, another writing project. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I've got a few few on the go. Nice. A lot of collaborations right now, um, which is kind of nice. It just takes the pressure off a little bit. Um, I'm working on. So that one was. Um, it's a project I'm working on a, with a producer in Toronto, Kat Hidalgo, and it's a feature about a woman, sort of a love story between mm. two women who are, are one of the women is, is recovering from childhood sexual abuse, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and she becomes re-traumatized when uh, her younger brother gets a, a teenage girl pregnant. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a, it's a journey of, of healing and, and love and trauma and that sort of thing. Um, there's a lot of, yeah, pregnancy and, <laughs> and trauma in the in the upcoming films. Cause I'm <laughs> so, so, so no, no action films in, in your near, near future, Kathleen? Action? Uh, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no. No, I don't, uh, I don't think that's probably going to be on the horizon by the sounds of it um, anytime soon. <laughs> what a great cast. How did, how did you get the cast? I mean, it's rem- remarkable. Yeah. Um, well, Shirley was, our number one from the start. We'd sort of had an eye on her okay. when we were just getting our funding together and everything. Nice. Approached her agent with a letter and the script and just crossed her fingers and and she said yes. So that was wonderful. Um, and then Theodore was our next um, get, I believe. And he was recommended by a, a casting director. Um, and we just had it, you know, he did a self-tape, and we brought him out to Vancouver, and, or he brought himself out to Vancouver, and um, did an audition for us, and he was just so great. He just, mm. We just knew on the spot, for sure, that he was the guy. Um, yeah, and then Mary and Nicholas, they just, um, I think what I realized after we had shot the film and everything, and, and looking at all their cast, is one thing that they all have in common is they all have, like, these very specific voices. Mm and ways of speaking. And I think that's maybe what attracted me to, to, to most of them overall, is just like the richness of character in their voices. Um, Blue and Cardinal as well. Like just something, there's just something so specific about all of them. So, so you were, so you were drawn to their, uh, do you, do you mean when you say in their voices, do you mean their voices as actors or do you mean their actual voices, the tone, the sound, the style or a bit of both? Um, a bit of both. Yeah. I think. Like cool. I really like to cast, I like to cast, actors um, from what they're like when they're not acting a little bit. So I like oh. to watch like I like to watch them when they're not acting. Interesting. And see how they sort of move and what they do and that really helps me. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. Well thank thanks so much for your time today. We've been talking to Kathleen Hepburn about her new film, Never Steady, Never Still still uh, premiering uh, world premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival. It really is a powerful, intimate, and moving uh, film. Kathleen, thanks so much for your time today. 